This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to the Oak Road Hatter Podcast. I'm Billy Mully and today this is what we've got coming up. We take our minds back to Middlesbrough where the Hatters lost out 2-1 to another playoff rival before we go through the 1-0 victory against Coventry, another game against the playoff rival. We also get excited for QPR which you've guessed it is another game against the playoff rival. I'm here today joined by Dylan Bundia. Dylan, how are you getting on today? I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm good. Buzzing after Tuesday. Um, I'm, sh- I'm sure we'll go on to it, but it wasn't the best. But you know what? We won the game, got three points, and that's the most important thing, isn't it? Exactly that. And I'm, I'm looking outside. The sun is shining. Luton are in the playoffs. Petley and Clark are back. Life's good as a Luton fan, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I completely agree, apart from sun's not shining in Nottingham. But uh, apart from that, no, 100%. It's, it's all good. It's all good. Um, and we'll start with Middlesbrough. Yeah, that, that comes first chronologically. So, so Dylan, speaking about Borough and, and the event itself, I think that the one positive that we can take away from these kind of games is that no team seems to play too well against us. And I think that, that goes down to discipline, that goes down to defensive shape, the way we press, a lot of off-the-ball factors. But again, against Middlesbrough. I know we, we ended up losing, but it was against a side that have won their, their last eight home games and we made things difficult without playing really well. I don't know if you share the same opinion. Yeah, definitely. I think it, was, it wasn't a bad performance, I don't think. And I actually think, ironically, we played better against Middlesbrough than we did against Coventry, um, which is ironic because we'd lost to Middlesbrough and, and beat Coventry. But yeah, I think that we just made fundamental errors. To be honest, it was our shape was good. Um, we, you know, we know the kind of challenges that a Middlesbrough team under Chris Wilder will pose us, i.e., those wide overloads using the wide centre backs in the back three, really high and really aggressively. Um, and and it was it it was okay. It wasn't brilliant, but it was okay. And and Middlesbrough, 
didn't really flow, but we made a couple of fundamental errors, which which cost us, unfortunately. Um, but as you say, uh, you know, we we set out to to play exactly as we know we we can play, which is aggressive front foot press. Um, it just didn't quite come off with a with a couple of important errors. Yeah, I think it's a, a real interesting point you make there about the, the right-hand side overloads. You know, Isaiah Jones widely praised this season for, for everything he has been doing, especially when coming up against when, against Tottenham the other day. I think that's where the wider world saw what he can do. Um, Matt Crooks as well, another brilliant, brilliant player. And Dyke Steele, those three have been causing problems all season on the right. And I know they did see a little bit of joy at the start of the game, but then after that, we really, really restricted what they can do. Yeah, definitely, hundred um, percent. And it's really frustrating. I know. I know. Nathan Jones said it post match. Uh, the first goal, the penalty is it, they should never get into that position because, well, Jones's words were, um, you know, they know we knew the information, and the information was for Amari Bell not to step out onto Dyke Steele, but to stay on Isaiah Jones so he doesn't then run in behind. But what he does for the goal is is step out onto Dyke Steele. Dyke still just plays a little forward pass into Balahun, who releases Jones, and he's in behind down the right. Which, against Desire Jones, you, with his form, with his quality and delivery, you can't do that. Um, and it's just a basic error that, that unfortunately Bell's made. Um, anyway, I think that's what the information was anyway, um, because we did it well otherwise in, in the game. Um, but as you say, it's it's those wide overloads on the right and the left with McNair. Uh, McNair's a very good player, um, a real challenge, and I thought we handled it pretty well. Um, and, and Middlesbrough didn't have loads in the game, but uh, as we know, if you if you make an, if you make key errors against quality teams, they they will punish you, and, and it's unfortunate. But Middlesbrough are a very very good team, so you know we can't be too disheartened about that. Yeah, as you say, Middlesbrough are a very good team. I think that was their ninth successive win at home, but they seem to be having their troubles away, as we saw on Tuesday night. Um, just looking a little bit. I've got down here to say that, that it was dif- disappointing goals to concede and we've pretty much gone through the first one there. And I guess the second one, slight bit of fortune, but then, you know, you'd like to see a goalkeeper do better. Alex Palmer, I know he's been thrown into a very, very difficult situation in, in terms of coming into a side that, you know, he's third choice goalkeeper at West Brom and he's come to a side that are above him, um, which is very, very strange. But at the same time, he's a... We we see we seen on Tuesday that he's a, a player of quality and that's why we've brought him in. But the the second goal was just the killer blow, especially at the time of the game as well. Yeah, yeah, he'll be he'll be very disappointed with that. Um, and I think the reaction on social media was a bit over the top. Um, you know, this guy's come in on a Friday and he's playing a bar away on a Saturday in the middle of a playoff race. Um, you know, he barely he's barely met his teammates. Yeah, he'll be very disappointed with that, but. Look, I think I think there are factors that you can kind of say, look, give him a give him a break. It's okay. Um, and as we saw on Tuesday, he's, he's done brilliantly. He's got great reviews from Lincoln fans last season. Um, and it, and is and obviously you know he's he's already got an assist, one assist in two games, which is pretty decent for a goalkeeper. Um, but no, I I think he's a he, he's just what we need at the minute, which is just a decent goalkeeper, um, just who can fill in for I think emergency loans are a week at a time. I'm not sure exactly how that works. Um, but yeah, he'll be disappointed with that, and we're disappointed with that. But the ball shouldn't have got into that position in the first place. We tried to play offside, and we didn't. It didn't work. Um, which is which is a you know the first error is higher up the pitch as always. Um, but of course, yeah, he'll be disappointed um, at the front post. As you say back then, it was an assist for him on his on his um, 
second game in a Luton shirt. And, you know, he adds another dimension, don't he? Going forward, we'll just find that long ball, especially, you know, use the pace of Cornick and on the Adinma. We've got a new dimension, another way why we're going to reach the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant kick. Nothing to do with poor defending, you know. It's, it, he had that on a play. He definitely didn't shank it or anything and, and it went flat over the top. That's why, but <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take it. Um, the next next point to make is that I guess that the biggest takeaway I think that we can take from Middlesbrough is the, the injury list again because it's it's so frustrating because we've got to a point, Barry and Clark were coming back. Uh, Sonny Bradley was our only relatively long-term absentee. And then the goalkeeping situation happened. Um, and then that that trio of injuries against Borough, Cal Naismith, Gabe Osho, um, and Alan Campbell. I know Campbell come through and, and you know played a big enough role against Coventry, but it just felt it just felt injury well, I say an injury at the wrong time, but there was four of them. So it's um Difficult to take, but at the same time, we've shown against Coventry that we can deal with those. Yeah, yeah, I think um, it's really disappointing because it meant that we couldn't make the changes to affect the game that I think we we might have liked to have. Um, But as we saw against Coventry, I I don't think Nathan Jones would have been massively happy with throwing in three players who have hardly played in the last month all into a midfield three and changing the entire midfield. Um, And we saw it, you know, I, I think those guys, it was never going to be a game where we were going to massively control it, given the injuries, given the changes, given the players coming back. Um, but as you say, it is, it is frustrating because just as we're getting Barry and Clark back, especially um, as, as those real good technical players, receivers, goal scorers from midfield, then we lose Osho, um, which you could kind of see happening, given the shift he put in on Wednesday against Chelsea to then come back again and do it against Borough. That's really tough. Um, so, yeah, it's massively frustrating. And, of course, Naismith as well, how important he is. But Potts stepped up and, and did OK as well. But, obviously, Naismith offers a lot. A very different uh, left-sided centre-half and, and definitely a better option there. So, hopefully, those guys can all come back fit soon and we can really have the core of the group back and, and just everyone back and everyone available for, for the last, um, what is it, 10, 12 games of the season now. Yeah, an interesting point. What you make about Potts there um, stood up to the test against Cambridge and Chelsea very well. Um, of course, a different game against Coventry um, in terms of performance, in terms of the way we set up as well. But I think the the main the main contrast you you can make the main sort of thing that you can pinpoint from him to to Cal Naismith is sort of that ball carrying ability. Uh, Potts seems more reluctant to to bring the ball forward and. Um, whilst he, he's got, you know, he, his skill set is elsewhere. It's it's also a reminder of how good Kate, uh, Cal Naismith is as, as progressing the football and, and getting us up the pitch and, and starting attacks from that way. Yeah, I mean, it's very easy because we've seen him all season. He's been brilliant to take Cal Naismith for granted, but how much he does for us, in, just in terms of, for example, in the first 15 seconds of the, of the game on Tuesday night, um, Coventry had a chance and it came from them playing it long and then Potts trying to take a touchdown and then he gets it nicked off him and they cross it. But what Naismith does is when teams play those forward passes and it bounces, he can just get hold of the ball and we can then play from there and we can just alleviate that pressure and alleviate that that attack and build ourselves. And that is so important in terms of, you know, defending is about winning the ball back to go and score. 
And that's what Naismith does brilliantly is he defends and then is able to keep it and play proper forward passes, find teammates, and then we can go and score. And I think that's just what he gives us. That is, you know, what he's one of the best in the league at that, I think, in terms of that ball carrying and just being able to play through a press, but also just alleviating that pressure when, when we're under it a little bit and being able to get the ball forwards with quality and then we can go and score. So it's like defending, but to defend to go and score is, is the purpose of defending. And that's why he's so important to us. 100%. And we've pretty much gone on to commentary the, the way we've been talking. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll formally introduce that we're going on to, to commentary away now. And I guess the, the same could be said that it wasn't the best first half performance we were speaking off air, that, you know, lots and lots of mistakes packed into 45 minutes in terms of, you know, needlessly giving the ball away, I think. From a Coventry perspective, they set up very well tactically. Mark Robbins is a very good manager, and I think we've seen that. But when it comes to individual quality and, and cutting edge, I think that's where where Coventry lacked. Yeah, massively. I mean, let, let's not make any bones about it. It was poor. You know, it wasn't a good performance, but we got the job done, and that's the most important thing. Who cares about performance if you if you at this stage of the season where we are, we just need three points, and um, and we got that job done. But that first half, especially, we were massively on the back foot and we were very, I don't, I don't want to say fortunate to, to take the lead because we showed quality. They made a mistake. We we punished it in the same way that they didn't punish our mistakes. Um, but, you know, we were relying on a massive error from from Michael Rose, not, not clearing just a straight ball from Palmer to then go and do that. But again, we saw the game out. We got the three points on the road on a Tuesday night straight after an away defeat, you know, two away games in a row, three central midfielders coming back after injury and they've hardly played. So you, you can't be critical at all. Um, but it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't great. And really Coventry should have at least got one. But who cares? You know, we got the job done. And that's the most important thing. Yeah, it's quite strange when, as you say, three central midfielders came in and you never know, are they going to come fast out of the blocks because, you know, they're fresh and they've been waiting for this moment or they're going to take time to get themselves back embedded into the to the setup. And I think it was you know, it's safe to say that it was the latter. Um, I think Jordan Clark put in a, a very, very strong performance, got better as the game gone on. Luke Berry, um, again, he got better as the game gone on. Uh, you could probably say the same with, with Pelly Ruddock as well. But I think early on, uh, Gus Hamus saw a lot of possession. Uh, he picked up some very good spaces and, and you know hurt us a little bit in terms of uh, making those making those um, runs into the middle and, and in terms of carrying the ball as well. I think he was difficult to pick up from those three, and I think we grew wiser to that as the game wore on. Yeah, I think there was a few times in that first half where um, especially Hamer was able to break free and, and, and you know, carry the ball long distances. And the reason for that was Coventry were playing out and then whoever was on Gus Hamer, because obviously we go man to man, we went three versus three in that midfield. Whoever was on Gus Hamer, usually Berry or Clark, was stepping out to try and get after McFadson, the centre the center half. They were then pinging it out to the right centre-back or left centre-back and then finding Gus Hamer. And we were just losing. So we were just stepping out at the wrong times and they were playing around our press and going going into Gus Hamer. And then obviously, because we go man-to-man, if one player gets three free in that midfield, then it's 3v2 and Gus Hamer can then carry the ball. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was it took... I think there was a lot of bedding in on Tuesday night from Barry and Clark. Um, Clark grew into it a bit more than, than Barry did, I think. Um, 
and and we let them break free a, a bit too much, especially in that first half. Um, but as the second half went on, we we tweaked it a little bit um, and just told Barry to to just pick his moments to hit McFadson through the middle and cut and then be a bit clever with how he cuts off Allen or or Hamer. Um, but again, it was just all about the three points and and yeah, we made errors and and we made it too easy for them at points. But we got three points, so who cares? We've got momentum. We're, we're flying. We've we've got positivity. We bounce back. That's all that matters. Yeah, and it, it appears to be this ability to pick up points when we're not playing at our best. I don't think I've I've seen it as frequent as a Luton Town fan where we haven't been at our best and we've been able to secure all three points. And I guess it does make a change because I think quite often, even last season, I think even the season before, where we were in games and you know we, we were perhaps edging it in terms of the bet- being the better team, we would go on and, and a couple of dodgy mistakes would be punished. But now we're the team that are punishing others for, for sloppy play. And I guess the best thing to back that up is that um, Elijah Adebayo took pretty much his only chance of the game with a 0.16 expected goals figure. So, you know, I think that's one of the biggest changes that we've seen. Yeah, massively. I think it's just we've got quality in forward areas now. We've got Elijah, who's absolutely flying and, and you know, he had a little goal drought or something, but... It's the championship. There's always going to be a few games where you don't score, um, and we know that if we if we get one or two chances, you know Swansea away being the other one, Cornick comes off the bench and smashes it. Great finish. Uh, same thing with Elijah today. Route one. Yeah, you, you know what? You make a mistake, we punish you, and you you know you if you're not clinical enough, we will punish you, uh, and that's just it's just brilliant to have because in this league with our budget, with you know we're not a we're not a team that has. The, you know, these high-flying, brilliant, unbelievable championship players, you know, Elijah's probably the closest one to that. Um, we we have to we have to take our chances because we are going to have games where, like Coventry, where we, we aren't going to be fully at it. But we still know we have that threat, we have that belief, we have that front-footedness where we know if you make a mistake, we will punish you and then we will dig in and defend properly. And that's exactly what happened against Coventry. You know, they were the better team, but we punished them because they didn't finish their chances and then they made a mistake. Three points. Exactly that. And another player that we did mention, Jordan Clark, we, we spoke about his defensive shape. He's sort of growing into the game in terms of picking the right opportunities to press. Him and Berry doing that quite well. But I think a lot of credit has to also go to his ability on the ball. I know, I know Jones, when, when he speaks of Jordan Clark, speaks of him being the best free transfer in the world and all that carry on. But we really saw his quality late on in the game, didn't we? Some of the runs he made forward and in, in terms of committing players and, and ball carrying ability, there's not much better. There's not, not many players in the championship that are better than, than what he does. No, um, he's going to be massive, massive in, in the running. Because um, I think against Borough, a slight issue we had was we were winning the ball back. And look, Hiltz is someone you want around the box because as we saw against Derby, he will take chances out of possession, he'll work like anything and, and he's a threat from set plays and so on. But in terms of that transition, where we win the ball back on the edge of our own box and we're trying to pick that first pass out, beat that first man, show that first little bit of quality to then get the ball up the pitch. You know, Hilt struggled a bit playing a bit deeper in that number 10 role with that. That's just not his skill set. Um, but Clark is going to be massive in terms of going into the last few games of the season. Him playing in that pocket, receiving, just gives us something a little bit different where we can go direct, but we can also then find him between the lines and, and he can show his quality like that. 
so good to have him back and, and we've really missed him, I think. Yeah, I'm really excited to see Clock play a lot more football. Just a joy to watch, isn't it? He's just one of those those footballers that, you know, he, he does everything with class, he does everything with elegance, but then he's also got that that desire to work out a possession, something that I think probably been instilled by Nathan Jones. But at the same time, he's he's just he's just very, very good. He's a very, very good footballer. I can't can't describe it any other way. And as you say, he's going to be a, a massive player in this running. Um, I think also we we'll have to mention Tom Lockyer as well. Um, another really strong performance from him. Um, I think when he first came back into the side, he was a little bit shaky. But you know, like a, a fair few players, he's he had missed a lot of football. But he's approaching those levels that that saw him emerge as one of our top performers during the mid stages of last season. Yeah, again, you know, we need him at the minute because Bradley and Naismith are both out. Um, so we need him fit and firing and, and, and going. And Osho's injured as well, obviously. Against Kov, he was middle of the back three where Osho's been playing quite a lot. Um, and yeah, you know, he's, he's, getting to, he's getting to a good level. Um, and, and it's good to, again, another one, good to, good to have him back um, after he missed a bit of the season. Um, not sure what the whole, in the first half, what the whole him running up and playing centre forward well, it's nil-nil is all about. And I'm pretty sure Nathan Jones would have been absolutely livid at him at half-time because he left, he left us 2v2. But apart from that, apart from that little, I don't know what he was thinking, but apart from that, yeah, good performance, good to have him back. But we need him back as well. We need him back at his best because we're, you know, we're a bit short at the minute with three of our centre-halves who could all start, to be honest, um, all out injured. As you say, Nathan Jones going berserk at Lockyer and... I think I was on Nathan Jones' watch um, on, on Tuesday evening, and you know he was he was he was livid for the entire forty-five minutes, and you know that's an indication as to well the the fact that we've still got a clean sheet, and you know we we've spoken about the errors that were made, we were speaking about how things panned out in the game, but we we kept a clean sheet against a, a side in the playoff mix, and I know a lot of that does come down to their own cutting edge and, and lack of well a lack of a clinical touch as well I think that comes into it but also another indication that, that we are defensively defensively a lot more resilient this year yeah I think it, you know it's a mixture of everything we we you know we didn't defend especially in that second half we didn't defend badly we you know we put our bodies on the line we we defended properly but at the same time yeah you know Kov they they, they missed chances you know Gaio Carez in the first half you know he'll be expecting to put that away from the from the left of the box coming in coming in on his right foot. Um, to be honest, they should have done better with the first chance of the game after fifteen seconds. Like if Godden just lets that run for Waghorn, then it's one nil. Um, but we punished them, and that's the most important thing at this point in the season is we just keep picking up results. And I think psychologically we needed that as well. After you know, it was a tough defeat to take on the weekend against a playoff rival. So then we face another playoff rival on Tuesday and just alleviate that a little bit. Because if we lost that one on Tuesday night, then it, we go into the QPR game, which is a massive game. You know, they're one place behind us now, but on the back foot a little bit, probably a little bit worried, even though it's completely crazy that we, you know, we should be feeling, you know, if we'd lost on Tuesday night, we'd be feeling down about the fact we're not in the playoffs. I mean, the fact we're even in that position where we're thinking if we lose a game, we're thinking, oh no, we're not in the top six anymore is bonkers it's absolutely bonkers and amazing how we've got to that position in the first place but you know we're sixth and and we know now that we've we've put ourselves in this position where if we don't achieve 
start of the season was unthinkable, then we'll be naturally disappointed. But not not disappointed in a negative way, just disappointed we didn't, you know, quite achieve this dream that that you know we, we could have reached. But it was so important on Tuesday. We just bounced back, got back to to winning ways. So we go into Saturday against QPR with this real kind of aggressive, positive mindset. We're not worried about the last two games. We're we're back on track, and we're ready. And back at Kenilworth Road as well, which again will be massive. Six of our eleven last games uh, at Kenilworth Road, and if you look at the fixture list as well, it, it looks relatively favourable for us. I was I was looking. I spent most of Tuesday night after the game just looking at tables and possibilities, and I know it it doesn't really matter because anyone can beat anyone in this division. But you know, looking at some of the fixtures that that some of our playoff rivals have still to play, it, it does make it look quite exciting oh I, I just yeah let's not I don't want to get too excited but it's very difficult not to get too excited with what we're doing at the minute um it's incredible and, and the fact that we're in this playoff picture is whatever happens in the last how many games of the season we've got left we can be so proud of this group of players because to put us in this position it's just incredible and and what they've achieved this season so far is is magnificent and frankly i think at the start of the season anyone would have taken just a mid-table finish again and just consolidating so the fact this dream is on now is 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 amazing and and you know whatever happens whatever happens happens from now on but it would be obviously amazing if we did if we did get that sixth place i think i think if i remember rightly jamie called a top six finish and we we were calling him crazy for it but you know, the way it's panned out, it just makes it all so exciting. And I know it could derail at any given minute and, you know, that, that securing a playoff place is, is not for granted, even though the, the feeling is so good around the club at the moment. But, you know, just being in with a shout with 11 games to go, being part of that, that playoff picture that everyone's talking about is just, again, I say it all the time, but a credit to, to where this football club is at after such a short amount of time of, of being back in the football league, sort of comparatively speaking. The thing is, is we should be going into this last kind of, uh, you know, last few games of the season. You know, from the outside, we should be the favourites to get in the playoffs because we're the second most informed team in the championship in 2022. You know, Fulham, Fulham are the only team who have got more points than us in 2022. We've got more than Sheffield United and Forest, who have supposedly turned their season around at this amazing football teams who are absolutely flying. Well, we're playing better than them at the minute. Um, you know, we're getting more results than them. Uh, but I think the the interesting stat from that as well, in terms of 2022, is we're the second most informed team in the championship. We've got the most points, second most points, with a goal difference of plus five. And that just sums it up. I think two of our nine wins have been, only two of our nine wins have been from more by more than one goal. Um, you know, the other seven have been by one goal. And it just, it's just different the way we're going about it at the minute. You know, we're not smashing teams, we're just grinding it out and grinding it out and, so we should be going into these last few games thinking, yeah, we're the favourites here. But it's just, it just seems so unthinkable, unless you're Jamie Castle, obviously. But it just seems unthinkable that, that, we're, that we're in this position that we're in. Um, but long, long may it continue because it's, it's amazing. 100%. And even looking at Bournemouth now, looking at their fixture list and you know the fact that they didn't take all three points against Peterborough, it, it makes pretty much every spot apart from Fulham up for grabs and... I'm all for it because it's going to make such an exciting end to the season. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of teams at the minute who are in decline, i.e., you know, Bournemouth, uh, 
aren't playing brilliantly at the minute. QPR have, have dipped off and we've got them on Saturday. Blackburn are slightly wobbling as well. And then you've got the Forests, the Millwalls, the Middlesbroughs, us, who are just creeping up. Sheffield United, obviously, have only very recently entered the playoff picture after they've massively turned around their season under under Paul Heckingbottom. So it's really it's really interesting at the minute what's going on because you look at the league table we're on we, you know we're sixth on fifty seven points and you could go down to you know Preston in twelfth who are on fifty Cov on fifty one Forest on fifty two it's very close and and you know the next four or five games will really start to see what what's happening in terms of that playoff picture but to be honest I think it will go right down to the wire to the last couple of games where we'll really start to see who's Who's going to hit that sixth place? As you say, it's all in the balance at the moment. You think to Blackpool last year in League One, you think to, to Bolton last year in League Two, the sort of runs that, that teams can go on from, from sort of this period on, it, it makes it really difficult to, to predict. I'd, I'd hate to have money on who will finish in the, the playoffs because it's just impossible to predict at the moment. And as I say, so many games where, where playoff rivals are playing each other in, in what remains of the season. So just adds that that surprise and competitiveness to this this playoff race. One thing before we move on from Coventry, I've, I've perhaps seen the weirdest comment I've, I've ever seen in, in terms of what a fan said. I, I sent it to you earlier, Dylan. Um, it was a good video. A, a Coventry fan made it. It was a very good video, but he was asking his mate what he thought of the game afterwards. And I just just finding the quote here. Um, apparently, Luton were time wasting by tackling Dylan. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what you made of that, but um, I can't really find a sense in that. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, in that second half, you know, we 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 did the we played the dirty side of things quite well. You know, we we slowed the clock down. We got yellow card after yellow card. Maybe I think maybe maybe he meant maybe he meant time wasting by fouling, but. Attempted tackling, maybe, um, like <laughs> tactical fouls or, or something like that. But look, I mean, you know, any team would do that on the road if they're one nil up. You can't complain about that. When teams do it to us, we complain. But you know, we're the masters of that. We do it all the time. So couldn't really care less, to be honest. I think I think it's one of those where when you're losing, it's frustrating when other teams do it. But when you when you're winning, it's oh, you know, how, look how smart we are. Look how clever we are. You know, we know the league. We're used to the league. This isn't what we used to do in 2019 when we didn't have a clue about the championship. You know, it's just football, isn't it? It's the championship. It's the way things are. If you're winning, you're going to time waste. You're going to slow it down. You're going to tactical foul. So be it. 100%. And yeah, we're doing what, what team's done to us. It's, it's that, that kind of thing. It's a, a circle, really. It's sometimes when, when you've got something as big as the playoffs in sight, I think that's always gonna have to happen especially especially on Tuesday with, with sort of I want to say how depleted we were but I don't think that's fair on you know the squad depth that we do have no I don't think we were depleted I think it was just people coming back at the same time and a lot of people just not being rushed back but I assume we would have preferred to have staggered them in terms of how they came back obviously Barry played against Chelsea and then didn't play Borough but Pelly and Clark haven't had. I don't think they had any minutes. I can't remember if they came on against Middlesbrough. Pelly didn't. Clark might have. I don't think he did. Um, but yeah, I don't think we were depleted. It was just people coming back and getting sharp all at the same time in the same position, which isn't what you want. But look, sometimes you've got to do it. And we won the game. They get minutes under their belt, and they'll come back stronger on Saturday, which 
it's perfect 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 situation for us yeah perfect situation for us going into Coventry of course it was a negative feeling because obviously we'd, we'd been defeated at Middlesbrough and the fact that that there was three big injury concerns coming into the game but the fact that you know those three midfielders now have, have got starts in them they, they got up to the sort of the levels that we come to expect as well um you know we're on the back of a win and you know the whole mood changes again and I guess that's probably the nature of being in and around the playoffs is the fact that you know the emotions that you, that you do feel across the the whole of the season you know get completely completely you know all over the place now because everything can change a season a, a team's ambition can be changed within two games at this point of the season yeah it's just about never too high never too low and and when things don't go your way you you have to fall back on your environment you fall back on your values you fall back on on what you believe in and how we play and and that and that's really when the test comes is when the tough tough times happen in high pressure you know where, where do you go do, do people pull together or do people fall apart and i think with our group they will come together as they always do because they have that belief in that real kind of underdog mentality we're just going to keep fighting because we we're looting town we believe in ourselves uh, and that's that's just that's what you've got to do and and it's pressure you know there's no doubt about it but you know as nathan jones always says the, the, the most pressure is that they feel is the pressure they put on themselves um and that's the best kind of pressure so they'll keep going and and that's that's where the kind of atmosphere we have at the club is is everything because when you lose and when you're in tough plate when you're in a tough place in a high pressure situation that's what you fall back on and that's what you have and that's how you turn things around um and, and that's why we always bounce back so well from defeats like we did on tuesday elite mentality that's certainly what is going around kenilworth road this season um we'll go on to the polls now uh dylan and we'll, we'll start with the first one which was can adebayo hit 20 plus goals this season and 68% went yes with 32% no and you know looking at it now he's he's on 13 from 30 games this season he hasn't played them all of course um but that means that he needs seven in his last 11 which you know is, is a tough task for any striker yeah it's a tough task i think i think i think he can um look seven goals in 11 that's that's a lot uh especially given the fact that he won't play every game you know he needs to be managed um, so it'll be tough for him to get to to 20. But look, if he gets in and around 20 goals for a guy who was playing in, in League Two 18 months ago, um, to then you know hit around 20 goals in a season, in a championship season, is, is incredible and a testament to him and his development and the work we've done with him. Um, so, you know, I think like, you know, what is 20 compared to 18? You know, why 20? Because it's a nice, nice round number. But um, whatever happens, he will, con in terms of, most important thing for me with Elijah is that he contributes in general play and that's what he does so well for us and he, he even if he doesn't score until the end of the season if he contributes to goals then I don't think you know he'll care but I don't think I care and I don't think anyone else will care um so can he do it yeah is it difficult for him yeah um but actually what I think he what I'm more concerned with is is he contributing in general play is he contributing stuff for his teammates to go and score and if he does that and we get goals who cares how many Elijah gets? I guess when looking at Elijah Adebayo, if he does hit 20 goals, then you know, you'd know think his his price would go through the roof. Uh, a young English striker 
that scores 20 goals in the championship and we've seen it before they they go for a lot of money and um yeah i guess the other thing about adebayo and what you said there about his contributions i think the fact that nathan jones kept him on against middle middlesbrough when he wasn't having the best of games and could quite easily have been taken off it, it just shows the the faith he has in him because of you know, as you say, it, it comes down to the contributions and nothing really happens until for, for 96 minutes. And then, you know, he, he does brilliantly to, to fend off. Dale Fry uses physicality, excellent touch, and then the assist. And you just think that's exactly why we want him on the pitch as long as we do. But at the same time, we, we do have to manage him. Yeah, 100%. I think, to be honest, yeah, I mean, Burrow is probably one of his poorest games of the season. Um, but again, he can—he just has that quality and that moment in him. I mean, to be fair, I think we would have subbed him, but obviously the three injuries meant we couldn't. Um, but that's what he can do. Um, and it was disappointing against Barrow that he just—it just didn't quite click in. He just didn't quite click into gear. But you know that touch to then go around and then and then find Cornick in the box. You know that's what he's all about. Is is I think people should never get the wrong impression about him looking from the outside of this big physical striker who can head the ball. No, no, he's technically an unbelievable technical player, um, an unbelievable athlete and an unbelievable aerially as well, of course. Um, and that, that's what makes him so amazing is it's just this rounded threat. He can do everything. Um, so, yeah, uh, well, if, if it means that more clubs will be interested in him in the summer, if he gets 20, then we'll keep him at 19. And if we get a pen or something, just you know, give it to Hiltz or something. He'll end career. Hundred percent, and the the second poll we had was about our defensive line. Um, we asked if all was fit, would Reese Burke, Tom Lockyer, and Cal Naismith be our best back three? And forty eight percent went yes, with fifty two percent going for no. And you know, some very very close voting there, Dylan. Where, whereabouts did you lie on this one? Oh, I think. It's difficult because Bradley hasn't been around for such a long time, but Bradley's been immense for us when he has played. Um, I think, well, Naismith is the 100% in there. I'd probably go with Burke, Naismith, Bradley. However, again, it depends because, for example, if we come up against a Swansea with Michael Obafemi or we come up against a West Brom with Carlin Grant and Caleb Robinson, then Gabby Osho is actually a very good option in terms of the athletic ability he gives us covering behind um so it's difficult to say the best defensive partnership because there's different ones that we need in different games but i'd probably lean towards burke because of his ball carrying ability compared to Lockyer. i know he's a little bit erratic at points and he can just make the odd mistake but i think that gives us so much down the right and then naismith and bradley in the middle uh, uh, and the left swap them around depending on the just state of the game, whether we want Naismith through the middle or progressing down the left. Um, it's probably where I'd lean, um, which is very harsh on Lockyer and Osho because they're both two very, very good players. Regardless, I think any combination of those five that includes Naismith um, is is fantastic. 100%. And as you said there about Gabe Osho, about his his speeds, I think that, that run he made against... Um, against West Brom where he completely outpaced Carlin Grant just goes to show you how quick he actually is completely took me by surprise and, and probably took Carlin Grant by surprise as well but as you say he's a lot more than just an athletic player now he's you know in terms of his ability on the ball in terms of his ability when progressing okay he's not at 
at Cal Naismith level, but he still is at a very good level at the moment. And, you know, he's only going to get better. He's still a, a very young defender. And I think I think all that you're saying there, Dylan, just points towards a, a really competitive back line, which can only bode well for us in the future. Yeah, competitive, um, different options, different qualities uh, that you can use for different games. And, and, and that's all you want, really, is those different options that you can put someone in for different games depending on, on what we're going to face. Uh, and and that's that's tremendous. We haven't got the same players. Um, so, yeah, I think Naismith is in there. And then Burke Lockyer, Bradley Osho fighting out for those other two places is where I'd go. And our third and final poll was about Robert Snodgrass and would you start him on Sunday? And 17% went yes with 83% at no. And I would probably lean to, to the no side. But again, it comes to the kind of conversation we had about Jed Steer when he was playing a deputy role to James Shea when when, when you brought him in for on sort of a short-term contract when when is best to, to, to play them because I guess the perfect opportunity will never you know arise itself it's it's about trusting them from a from a point and you know going from there so I can see why people go yes but ultimately I think for, for this game in particular I, I'd go no and I don't know if that's the same for you it's a difficult one because I'm, I'm not massively sure where Rob Snodgrass fits for us. Now, I think the most obvious is in that number 10 role. But it's a really, I don't, I don't know what to make of it because he's someone who's had a really good career coming off the right and the left and with his quality of his deliveries. But obviously, we don't play with wingers and he's not going to play wing back because you know, he's not, that's not his position. But yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I would say no because we've got Barry and Clark back and we know what they're about. They know how we play. You know, Rob Snodgrass coming in, it's a tough job because he's got to then straight away get used to the kind of man-orientated way that we press with, you know, going man-to-man everywhere. It's a big job physically and I don't know where he's at physically. Um, but obviously at the same time, he's a quality player technically and, and he's got the deliveries. He's got, you know, from set pieces, massive um, the cross his crossing is is massive. He can shoot from distance, but it's it's just as you say, like with the Jed Steer situation, is when do we actually put him in? Actually, Carlos Mendes Gomez was excellent against Chelsea, and physically he looked like he'd hit another level. So do we put Carlos in in that in that number ten role because he's just starting to motor now? So I don't I don't know when we put him in really because it, it we'd we'd have to change we'd have to pull someone out who we know is going to give us a good performance levels to then put him in and we don't know what we're going to get from him. So that's a question for, for the coaching staff. You know, they obviously work with him every day and they would have seen all of that. I wouldn't put him in for Saturday because I think we've got Pelly. Campbell will come back because he was rested on, on the weekend. And then Barry or Clark will start in the 10, probably. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know when, when we bring him in, to be honest. Um, it's a bit of a tricky one. Hundred percent, yeah. One that that's very difficult, as we said before. The the competition levels within the squad are just at an all time high, it would seem, and that's still with the injuries that that we currently have. Um, I was, I was saying earlier, it would be I, I would not like to have Nathan Jones his his job when you know he's got a full squad at his disposal because it's a scary prospect to think the the players he'd have to leave out. Yeah, constantly leaving players out. Um... It's, it's difficult because, you know, for example, I, I don't know what, you know, in Musque, for example, 
started I know he's not had the the easiest time so far with us and, and that's because of a lot of reasons off the pitch and with AFCON and so on that have really affected him but he played against Chelsea and I thought he had his best game for us and he was very good um, and, and did his job very well but then we come back for the league and, and he wasn't on the bench against Borough and, and then he was an unused on, sub on on Tuesday so it's you know when when do we bring these guys back when do we put these guys in you know Peter Chioso James Bree is undroppable at the minute because he's doing such an amazing job for us but Peter Chioso is a very good wing back so you know, I don't think Kyoso was in the squad on Tuesday night either. So it's a really, it's, it's it's such a difficult job because you have to leave good players out every single week. And, and I'm sure he, he loses plenty of sleep over that because, you know, leaving players out, leaving quality players out of the squad is tough on them and it's tough on, on him. As you say there, you've just, you've racked off a few names there. You could probably add Fred on your dimmer. I don't know if he's an injury doubt at the moment. I think that might be a little bit different. But again, another player that's missing from the squad that you have to try and get back into it because of the evident quality he does have. It's um, definitely a, a difficult one for, for Jones to have to contend with. Um, we'll go on to QPR away. Yeah, we'll give a, a brief little preview because... It's a, another massive game. I said it before. Another playoff rival that we're coming up against. It, it doesn't seem that that they'll stop at the moment. It seems that these games against playoff rivals keep on coming up because of the, the sheer amount of teams that are still involved in it. And um, again, it's a, a massive, massive game. Our record against QPR doesn't make for pretty reading either. A draw and four losses in our five games since returning as a Championship club, but. Dylan, it's another opportunity to break an unwanted record, something that we've done a fair few occasions this season. Yeah, and, and QPR are going through a, a bit of a tough patch at the minute. You know, they've lost their last two against Cardiff and, and Blackburn. Um, uh, they've lost, I think, three in five. They lost to, to Millwall and only one win in five. So, you know, given where they were, which was maybe, you know, maybe thinking a little bit about the top two, to now outside the playoffs, you know the momentum was with us very clearly because we're we're on the up and and they're they're struggling a little bit. However, you know they have tremendous quality in every area of the pitch. You know, most 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 notably, and everyone will know, is Chris Willock and Elias Chair. So it it almost doesn't matter that that they're they're struggling a bit at the minute because you just know that those two, combined with you know Andre Gray or whoever they put up front, um, whether they play uh, Willock as a as a false nine. You know those guys can hurt teams. Doesn't matter how badly they're playing, they will come up with moments of magic and they will score goals and create chances. But you know what? I think we can go into Saturday with with real confidence and real momentum because they're coming away to Kenilworth Road after losing two games on the spin, um, and Sky cameras are there. All the narrative will be about how QPR have fallen off a cliff a little bit in the last few weeks, and we're on the rise and how how well we're playing. So it will be a very tough game because they've got very good players. Rob Dickey as well, unbelievable centre-half. But we have the momentum right now and we have that positivity and they're coming into the game slightly on the back foot. So, you know, let's let's smell blood and, and let's go for it. The way that the, performance, the performances are dipped at QPR as well as the results. And, you know, as you say there, Chair and, and Willock, two players that have been consistent consistently good for them this season they've dipped in form at the the worst possible time um as you say though they've, they've got that individual quality to turn things and to, to influence games even though they're not not 
in their best form. And I guess that's the scary prospect for us that they can just switch it on and can really, really hurt teams as we saw um, in the in the reverse fixture. A uh, little bit of quality from Chris Willock early on to, to open the scoring. Um, and then from then on, he was, he, he was sort of in unplayable form, even though we did play quite well that day. It was, you know, the individual quality that they have, I think that's the overall message is, is, you know, some of, of Premier League quality, I think, with, with Chair and Willock. Yeah, and ironically, that, that away game at QPR, I think, was one of our best performances of the season. We lost 2-0, wasn't it? Um, because they had that quality and we made it, you know, we conceded from our own corner, which was, I don't want to think about again, because that was that was just horrendous. But, you know, they can turn on at any moment. You know, Charlie Austin came off the bench and, oh no, he didn't, no, he started, sorry, and, and scored and NJ cripped after the game that we've, we've kept Charlie Austin's career alive because he just keeps scoring against us. But, you know, it, I think that away game just showed that, you know, we can play very well, but we know that they can turn it on, as you say, at any moment. And we have to have to make sure we deal with Willock and Chair massively. Um, and if we don't, then they will punish us. Uh, so, no, all the momentum's with us, but, you know, they can turn it on at any moment because they're a very good team and they wouldn't have been in that position of you know third fourth place for such a long time if they weren't and pushing you for a, a decisive answer here Dylan about before we do the score prediction we'll, we'll, we'll speak about QPR a little bit more do you think that they've got what it takes do you think they've got the character do you think they've got that bounce back ability to, to secure a top six spot or do you think eventually they'll, they'll miss out oh it's tough um, I think at the minute I'd say no just because you see teams like us, you see teams like Sheffield United, you see teams like Forest, who are just starting to go. I think Preston as well might start to creep up on teams because they're looking very, very good under Ryan Lowe. Um, and I think that there's a group of teams, including us, that are just peaking at the right time now. Um, and then there are other teams that are starting to fall away at the wrong time a little bit. However, you know, there's still enough games um you know, still a lot of games left and, and they can turn it around. But at the minute, I would say no. I, I would say that unless something really changes, they're, they're going to struggle, i.e. that win on Saturday. But looking at their fixtures, you know, they've got us, then they've got Forest, then they play Peterborough, then they've got Fulham, Sheffield United, Preston, Huddersfield, Derby will be fighting for their lives. It's a it's a tough, tough fixture list that they've got um, coming up. So I, my gut would tell me no right now. Now they win on Saturday and, and I'm so sure all the QPR fans will start to believe again. Um, and it just shows how important every single one of these six pointers is. 100%. And I'll come now again for something that, that's probably going to be quite difficult, but a score prediction. I think, I think, we'll, I think we'll win. I think we'll win 2-1. I'm going to be boring. And I'm going to go for 2-1 as well. It's the one that I had in my head. And yeah, I think it will be yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a good game. I think QPR, in terms of their performance, I think they'll up it a little bit more than, than what they've been showing in recent weeks. But I think, you know, I think you've got to be confident in, in Luton at the moment. And I know that that sometimes le leads to things not panning out the way you want them to. But ultimately... We're in this excellent form, excellent form at Kenilworth Road as well. And, you know, a, a, a 2-1 win, three points would be would be excellent to, to boost our chances. And, you know, it would really, really then diminish QPR's chances. As you say, they've got a really 
really tough set of fixtures coming up as well. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it's all getting a little bit tight now, isn't it? And oof, these last few weeks are going to be nervous. They're going to be nerve-wracking. With each win, the nerves will just build and build and build amongst the fans. But we know that that group is strong and they will handle that um, properly. But look, long may it continue. And uh, here's to a brilliant win on Saturday and then a playoff charge, which just doesn't make any sense in my head still. But we're there. We're doing it. And it's unbelievable. 100%. I think once April comes, I'm going to start feeling sick every match day, waking up and it was just going to get so nervy. But at the same time, Kenilworth Road becoming a fortress is, is going to be massive. We have to enjoy this. We have to enjoy it. You know, I know it's so easy to feel, you know, the nerves and everyone's going to be feeling it. But, God, you know, we're in the we're in the championship playoff race, the championship playoff race. You know, we're a few spots away from the Premier League. It's unbelievable. Like, you know, I remember we used to play hide and bait Braintree and we've got minus 30 and everything. And now we're sixth in the championship and going for the playoffs with, you know, not many games left. It's, it's, it's insane. We have to, we have to enjoy it. We have to just enjoy it. And no matter what happens at the end, just wake up every day and just be like, wow, this club is, is, is incredible. And I, I can't wait for the running. It's going to be brilliant. Certainly. Very, very exciting. Well, that is all we have for you today. Big thank you to you, Dylan, for coming on. Make sure to check us out on our socials. We are, of course, at Oak Road Hatter on Twitter and we are Oak Road Hatter Pod on Instagram. We'll also be drawing the winner of our free tickets competition for March, so make sure to keep your eyes peeled out for that. But from both of us here, it's goodbye for now. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.